You know, it's just like when I was teaching prior, you know, for the 24 and a half years, I loved my job just like I love my job now, but I didn't, I don't do it for the gratitude. I don't do it for the thanks. I do it because I love what I do. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Elaine Sutherland. She's the feature guest in Season 5, Episode 10 of YXC Underground. Educating people of all ages and cultures is what drives Elaine Sutherland. For nearly 25 years, she taught in schools, mostly as a kindergarten teacher, and helped her peers incorporate Indigenous history and education into their classrooms. Today, you can find Elaine at the Office of the Treaty Commissioner, where she is the Director of Treaty Education. How is she able to connect with people when it comes to matters of treaties and Indigenous history? We find out in this episode of YXE Underground. archive so anybody that wants to come in and take a look at it you're more than welcome to but like again I said you can't take it out but you're more than welcome to come and read read it and our archives department would also be able to help you out with that. How old are these documents? Oh boy some dating back to uh, the first numbered treaties I would say go back to 1811-ish like beginning 1800s when the first number treaties or the the pre-number treaty started but there's a lot of oral history in here from um, videotapes of the elders that they're now digitizing um, because all the oral history welcome the to the office of the treaty commissioner which you can find south of saskatoon on grasswood road it's a warm wednesday morning in june but it's nice and cool inside the archive section of the building elaine is taking me on a tour of the room which is full of primary sources relating to indigenous history culture and the treaties that were signed many years ago these primary sources come from across canada and are in the midst of being digitized by the hard-working staff at the otc elaine loves this room because it offers her a direct glimpse into the work that went into creating these treaties and it gives her a chance to continue learning the history of the OTC is really interesting. It was created in 1989 by the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations and the Government of Canada to guide both parties through their differing views on treaties. For those unfamiliar with treaties, in Saskatchewan, they are the formal agreements between the Crown and First Nations with their expectations and obligations. Eleven numbered treaties were negotiated after Confederation and between 1871 and 1921. They cover the territories from present-day Ontario to Alberta, as well as parts of British Columbia and the Northwest Territories. Here in Saskatchewan, there are six treaties, Treaty 2, Treaty 4, Treaty 6, Treaty 8, and Treaty 10. Saskatoon is in Treaty 6 territory. The Office of the Treaty Commissioner's vision in our province is to promote respect and understanding of treaties and to support treaty parties in maintaining and enhancing the treaty relationship through dialogue, neutral support, assistance with resolving disputes, and commitment to the treaty principles. I would strongly recommend spending some time on the OTC website, which you can find at otc.ca, as there are some great online resources available, and it's just really interesting learning about this organization. Learning is a theme in this episode, as it's something Elaine Sutherland firmly believes we should all be doing, no matter where we are in our lives. For the past two years, she has been teaching the importance of treaties to people in our city, our province, and across Canada. 
She left a highly respected teaching career to take on this role, and it has not always been easy. But you will hear why this work, why sharing the stories of treaties with businesses, organizations, and especially teachers, as well as strategies to help them on their learning journey, is so meaningful to Elaine. You will also hear how Elaine's new two-day education session called The Treaty Learning Journey is connecting with participants here in Saskatoon and throughout Saskatchewan. Elaine and I sat down in the OTC boardroom, and I started by asking how she would describe her role within the organization. When I was first brought on board, um, you know, of course, my roles, what falls under me is treaty education, public education, our speakers bureau. And our speakers bureau is actually, uh, we have, um, I can't remember how many around 27-ish people on our Speakers Bureau, and people can go onto our website, and if they want to book a Bureau in regards to treaty, in regards to reconciliation, in regards to Indian Act, uh, anything that falls under that realm, like it's such a huge umbrella, uh, they can book a speaker to go to their organization. Right, so uh, that's what is all under my department, uh, but but so many others that are behind the scenes, um, you know. So when I was brought on board, you know, again uh, being director of treaty education, uh, TTIC fell under me, uh, but that has evolved into treaty learning journey, um, because you know, like I explained to you before, uh, you know, TTIC was four days, um, and. When I came on role, we came to, we tried to run it twice, once in June, once in August, and both times people came back and said, we can't do four days anymore because we're back in, uh, back in school, we're back in um, office, kids are back into activities, so it's not possible to do that. So, you know, I kind of put my teacher hat back on because I was an educator for 24 and a half years prior to me coming here. Uh, so I put my teacher hat on and said, okay, how can I figure out how to make an impactful two-day program. Uh, so hence the Treaty Learning Journey, Let's Talk Truth, came into play with, the, uh, of course, with the uh, permission of Commissioner and her guidance as well. So what that is, is we take anybody, uh, organizations that are not teachers, um, we take them on this journey. For educators, we take them on this journey with practical strategies on how to teach it. So we take them on before treaty, which is where we challenge your worldview. Um, and not necessarily any worldview is better than any any others, but I just challenge your thinking. Um, and then I uh, we take them on kind of the general uh, world, Indigenous worldview. Uh, because there's over 630 nations across Canada, over 50 Indigenous languages, but within those Indigenous languages, like if we look at Cree, we have the Woodland Cree, Swampy Cree, Plains Cree, like there's so many languages within each. Um, so we take them on uh, the Indigenous worldview, because if you're going to understand treaty, you have to understand who Indigenous people were prior to uh, European contact and the importance of ceremony, the importance of the pipe stem, of how that, uh, when you smoke the pipe stem, when they do that, the smoke rises up and it's uh, directly to the Creator. So anything that's spoken within that pipe, any prayers are are said within that pipe, are now directly, you have your direct line to the Creator up above. So those are oaths that cannot be broken. Those are solemn promises, if I can call them that. So I, we teach them the Indigenous worldview, uh, the medicine wheel, uh, the f uh, four directions, the four sacred plants. Um, you know, we, we basically teach them about how they had their own distinct education, governance. Uh, everything was done orally, uh, passed down orally from generation to generation. Um, you know, we, we take them on that journey. And then for teachers, practical strategies on how to teach it in the classroom, because you don't want to teach uh, the culture, you want to teach the education. Right, because there's a huge difference in that. Because um, how I always challenge other people is as a First Nations person who's also uh, 
I was a, a baptized Catholic. I can't go teach on a reserve and give the host out because I'm Catholic, right? It would be the same idea. Just because you learn about the culture doesn't mean you can, you can go in your classroom and smudge because you might be doing it wrong. You might be not, not following proper protocol, right? So then that's uh, the first half day. The second, we talk about treaties. So we talk about the pre uh, numbered treaties, the Peace and Friendship Treaties, the uh, Superior and Huron Treaties, the Selkirk Treaty, uh, go leading into the numbered treaties and what's actually in the numbered treaties. Um, and then we, again, take that with educators, practical strategies on how to actually teach it in your classroom. Wow. When, when, you, when organizations come to yes. you, um, is, it, is it out of a place of, of like, genuine curiosity? Like they, or... or is there an, an admittance, like, this is something we, as an organization, we don't know en- enough about, and we need your help? Like, it, what are those first conversations like with an organization? Uh, well, when organizations first reach out, oh, sorry, I'll finish telling you about the Treaty Learning Journey okay. later, later. Okay. Uh, uh, but uh, when organizations reach out, they basically, um, okay, when I created this Treaty Learning Journey, we ran it with um, one organization. One organization in the fall, that was our guinea pig run, if I could call it that. And then SH, uh, or no, uh, Sask Polytech reached out and said, we heard that you did this treaty learning journey, you know, can you tell us about it? So uh, Charmaine Gardner, who works with me, um, told them about what we created, the treaty learning journey. Uh, So we ran it with them doing lunch and learns. And then from there, we had organizations from different, like across the province saying, we heard about this treaty learning journey. Can you tell us more? We'd want in because we want to learn about it, right? We want to learn about Indigenous people. We want to learn about treaties. We want to learn about breaches of treaty. And today, like everything that's in there, we want to learn because uh, they don't know, you know, because if we're talking realistically speaking, when we went to school, well, when I went to school, zero treaty education, right? Uh, When the younger generation under me, when they went to school, zero treaty education. And now that the um, treaty education is mandated by the Ministry of Education, um, I can tell you coming straight off the front lines, there's still so many teachers that are not teaching it. Um, And I mean, no offense to anybody whatsoever, but they're scared to teach it to offend somebody because they might use the wrong terminology, they might use the wrong language. um, And that's where they kind of back off from it and which is I, I completely understand because if you wanted me to all of a sudden teach the Russian culture right the Russian treaties if they have you know I wouldn't even know where to start you know so this is just a a, a lead into where teachers can turn around and comfortably teach this and have the confidence to teach this in the classroom regardless of your grade level okay yeah. thank you for explaining that yes. I, I but I interrupted because you wanted to finish oh, what, no. what happens in the last day Okay, so <laughs> don't leave me hanging. Yes, no, no worries. So uh, on the second day in the morning, we do breaches of treaty, and we always give a trigger warning for this one because this is the toughest one. Um, because these are this is where let's talk truth comes into play. Uh, because realistically speaking, people want reconciliation, and they talk they want reconciliation, 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 but they want the sugar coated version. Right. So now this is where we have the stories from our elders with the permission from them talking and this is where a lot of the oral history will come into play as we talk about breaches of treaty about how um, you know if I talk about treaty six it was negotiated and agreed upon in August of 1876 however in April of 1876 the government had already passed into law the Indian Act and that basically where if I can use the word handcuffed really constricted First Nations people to 
extreme conditions, extreme living conditions, where their way of life in, in treaty, it was agreed on that their way of life of uh, hunting, trapping, fishing, gathering, following the buffalo was meant to continue. Well, now that com completely changed because now you're confined to the reserves. Right, so how do you properly feed your family when you're now confined to reserves? But on, not only that, but then they um, started the pass and permit system, which meant in order to leave the reserve to go hunt, trap, fish, gather, visit family, go to a, a funeral, go buy something for your family, you had to get a permission from the Indian agent. And from, according to oral history, majority of the time the answer was no, he wouldn't answer his door, or he would, um, according to the elders, he played God. Right, and also uh, in regards to if they went to go sell what whatever they were selling to feed their family, um, it was up to the Indian agent because most, according to oral history, a lot of that money would go back to the Indian agent, and the Indian agent would decide, well, do you get all of it? Do you get half of it? Do you get some of it? So again, how do you take care of your family when somebody is making all your decisions for you, right? But also in that Indian Act was the creation of the residential schools, which was not like in treaty they agreed to school plate. Uh, have schooling, have education to learn the cunning of the white man. Um, and that, that's in the terms of uh, the government. <clears throat> um, the levels of education for settlers and for indigenous children were a completely different view. For In regards to treaty, they were supposed to pay for the uh, salaries, the teacher's salary at the people's request, or have a school when the people on said reserves were ready for it. And as a result of the Indian Act was the creation of residential schools and residential schools, everything, all the issues that go, um, that Indigenous people face today are all a direct, um, the root is uh, residential schools and how that affected um, the people there, but where in, that's where intergenerational trauma comes into play, right? Because you have now um, the children um, that go to residential schools that are like uh, you, you've heard the stories last year. I um, mean, you know, I'm not. I'm doing to tell the stories here, you know, because they're they're very personal. But the horror that these children faced, the levels of abuse that these children faced. I mean, they were physically abused, culturally abused, spiritually abused, uh, physically abused, sexually abused. You know, and that's those are stories that Canadian society they don't want. They turn around and like when. If it, I always go back, if it wasn't for the uh, finding of the 215 babies in Kamloops, it was only then that Canadian society turned around and said, you know what, I think something actually did happen. Maybe these people aren't lying, right? Because our elders have been telling these stories for decades upon decades upon decades, and have always been told, get over it. I had nothing to do with it. Not my problem, right? They're not saying it's not it's your fault. They're not saying um, get over. Uh, you had nothing to do with it. Right, but that's just a part—a black stain on Canada's history. It's our history, ones ones that should not be swept under the rug anymore. I mean, if I compare that to uh, the veterans, and uh, Chief Mar uh, Justice Marie Sinclair said that perfectly. When do we tell the veterans get over it? We had nothing to do with it. Why do we say that that happened long ago? No, we don't. That's a, we celebrate them because they survived that. Right? If you think about the residential school survivors, they're the, they're called survivors. They're not called graduates. Right, so perfect way to um, compare the two, right? Um, so we t take them through that, but we also take them through um, the Natural Resource Transfer Agreement, which was where the 
federal government turned around and to Alberta, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan, gave them complete jurisdiction over the natural resources. But however, in when they were talking about number treaties, oral history, they agreed to share the land to the depth of the plow. My Mushum, my grandfather, his dad was at Treaty 6 negotiations, four fingers to the depth of the plow. That's how much they agreed to share the land. Treaty 4 elders, two fists to the depth of the plow. We agreed to share the land to the depth of the plow. Other elders have said one fist and one thumb to the depth of the plow so your seeds can grow. So that's what was discussed in, in the number treaties, not to give uh, away any of the natural resources. Our elders were formidable negotiators. That idea that they didn't know what they were negotiating was completely false. That was a myth, a stereotype that was put out by a man called George Stanley. He told the the, uh, the press that, well, they didn't know what they were uh, signing. They didn't know what they were agreeing to because of the language barrier. So not true. They understood. They knew that there was minerals under the ground. Um, but again, uh, or sort of if I go back to First Nations people, they call the land Mother Earth. Right, so would you let somebody come into your home and hurt your mother? Absolutely not, same idea. So <clears throat> again, they, they agreed to share the land to the depth of the plow. Our elders knew, our ancestors knew that there was uh, gold under the ground. They knew that there was colored minerals that the newcomers wanted, but they agreed to share the land to the depth of the plow. Right, so we talk about the natural resource uh, transfer agreement, which was done without consultation of any of the indigenous people. Um, we talk about the uh, treaty annuities withheld, uh, where the government withheld the treaty annuity is for 14 bands um, as a result um, of the Riel resistance, claiming you helped Louis Riel, now we're going to withhold your $5 or withhold your treaty annuity payments. And, you know, back then they used that for things that they couldn't grow, uh, for like tea, lard, flour, sugar, things like that. Um, so the government did that for, for many years. Um, and then we end off with uh, today. The very uh, very last session is today, uh, which we talk about uh, United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People and the articles that go with them, the MMIWG2S and the um, all of the calls to justice. We talk about the truth and reconciliation and all of the calls to action. And then we talk about the um, 60 scoop. Um, oh, there's a whole pile. All the contemporary issues today. But after we're done all of that, then we talk for educators, practical strategies on how to teach it in the classroom, right? How to break it down. Um, because I, I used to teach kindergarten. All of these things my kindergartens knew about. Because there's a way how to teach it. There's a way to use that language. So whenever I went and helped educators like um, in the past, okay, well, now let's break it down to your level. Right, I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to break it down to kindergarten level, and we're going to move our way up because it's easier to do that, to break it down to kindergarten level where everybody will understand. And then, okay, now let's move it up so your, um, your students can understand that. But also this gives, you know, the best um, advice I was ever given in doing any of my teaching was always teach it like you're teaching it to your 90-year-old grandmother how she can understand it. So I'm like, okay, makes sense, right? <laughs> so that goes uh, as well for a four or five-year-old child, right? So in all of my teachings now, I try to break everything down, simplify it so anybody can understand what this treaty learning journey is about. You, um, I, I, I'm so curious about the, the strategies. As, as a, I, I lasted two years as a high school teacher, but I, <laughs> I'd like to share a story with you in, in, a, in a little bit. But there, you said something there about... Um, how some people want the sugar-coated version of reconciliation. And that, 
that just sort of stuck with me a little bit as as you were talking there. And I, I'm wondering, like, wh- why, Elaine, why, why do you think that is? And how do you, how do you overcome it so that um, you're, you're not giving the sugar-coated version, you're giving the actual truth. But like, how, how, how do you overcome that when, when people come into a, a session or an ed- education session wanting that kind of sugar-coated version? Um, well, for myself, you know, I'm very upfront uh, when, whenever we're starting this treaty learning journey, um, let's talk truth. I'm very adamant. It's let's talk truth. Like I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything for you. I'm here. You like I, I'm, I put it back on them. You're here for reconciliation. You're wanting reconciliation, but now let's talk truth. So in, in saying that, when we do our treaty learning journey, we create a safe space. Like I'm very, very, uh, I make sure that there's no blame, there's no shame, that we're not here to point the finger at anybody. This is just education. Um, So basically this is education from an Indigenous side of the story, right? So like if I'm totally honest here, uh, the books in the past, like when I went to school, were written by white people for white people, right? Uh, So like maybe Indigenous people were a paragraph in the history book, maybe a page in the history book, you know, that was as far as it went. So when we t- when I say let's talk truth, I like I'm very adamant that we talk we create a safe space for anybody and ever any yeah, anybody that's attending. Um, and when I'm t- saying uh, the non sugar coated version, like when I talk about the Indian Act, I t- I tell stories that go along with each section, uh, whether that be from uh, my personal family history or from stories from the elders, um, like in, in regards to um, like w- one part in the Indian Act is they changed traditional names to European names. So I'll just use my, my myself for an example. My traditional name, uh, you know me as Elaine Sutherland, but my traditional last name is Sagapateo. And that's a Cree word meaning smoke rising from the fire. But however, they couldn't spell Sutherland, so they, or they couldn't spell Sagapateo, so we became Sutherland. Right? So that was an enforced implementation of European names. You know, that one little thing that's in... Um, the Indian Act, you know, but when we talk about uh, pass and permit system, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I'm going to tell you the true stories of what actually happened to Indigenous people uh, because society doesn't know. You know, every time we give this uh, treaty learning journey, I always say, how come we didn't know this? People will always, no, I don't say that, but people will always tell me, how come we didn't know this? Right, it's because uh, it's it's not in schools. When I say the sugar coated version, when we were talking residential schools, you know, that's where um, many people might know about residential schools, but they don't know what actually happened in residential schools and the um, extreme level of violence and abuse that these children faced. I mean, like when I tell these stories, like I, I cry because it still hurts, you know, because m- my parents went through that. Um, you know, there's so many, my older siblings went to day school. We, we like, there's so many generations like myself that can tell you stories, you know, of, of day schools. Not, uh, and that's not even the, at the level that of residential schools of the abuse that they faced. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I should go into stories here because, like, they're so, uh, it's, it's very triggering, um, you know, but at the end of when we're talking, let's talk truth, when we're talking all these stories, you know, <clears throat> again, I go back, people will say, how come we didn't know this was happening? You know, how come they didn't know when they, some of them lived, they said, 10 miles away? that they knew there was a school there, but they thought, oh, it's a big fancy school that the Indians get to go to, right? But not knowing what was actually happening behind closed doors. So that's when we say, let's talk truth. 
let's tell you what's really happening. You know, if we go into what's modern day, what's happening today, MMIWG2S is a, a, a fear that as an Indigenous woman, fears that we face on a daily basis, but people don't realize what we still currently are still facing. You know, if we talk about UNDRIP, which uh, United Nations Declaration Rights uh, rights on, of Indigenous people, that talks about how my basic human treaty rights as an Indigenous person, it has to go into law before it is seen as, I, okay, it, it's now legal that my dignity, I should be, live a life free of discrimination, right? So why does that have to go into law before I get to live my life free of discrimination? It, it's extremely frustrating, but it's things that people don't realize what Indigenous people still face today. That was a really powerful answer, and and as you were as you were talking there, Elaine, it it, and I don't I don't know, and you you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is is there a sense like when when you were able to to share this truth and to share the actual history with people, and and people went that are saying, you know, I I didn't know this, but it, it's it's you that's sharing this. It, it is that empowering for you? Like how how does that make you feel? Oh, geez. Well, if I start when I first started my. Um treaty learning journey let's talk truth uh was i offending people absolutely (laughs) like hugely offending people and it got to the point that i wanted to throw the towel in and say i don't want to do this anymore like i was getting so much flack so much backlash from uh like how dare you tell this like uh, you i'm blame they felt that i was blaming them and that was never the intent. It's just education on what our people went through. But I went to talk to three different elders, you know, saying that, okay, like, this is what I'm going through. I'm not sure what to do. And um, <clears throat> and if I can just be blunt from three different elders, they said it's about damn time that our side of the story is being told. They said, Elaine, you need to keep going because the truth needs to get out there. This is our stories that somebody's finally telling our stories. You know, so it's um, it's a struggle you know, to still tell their stories because they're hard stories to tell, you know, because when people say it happened long ago, the last residential school closed in 1996. It's not that long ago. That's not that, that no. long ago. No. <clears throat> you know, like I, I was 25, you know, so there's, they were here and, you know, so many people still don't know residential schools and the horror that happened to Indigenous people. You know, like it, it's crazy how society still doesn't know and, or still doesn't want to recognize what happened and to say just get over it no that's a piece of our history so when I go around giving this treaty learning journey is it empowering to me absolutely you know it's I I have I feel like I have um, the elders and my ancestors behind me you know that give me the strength to tell these stories you know because they're hard stories to tell you know generally I'm not gonna I'll be honest I usually cry single treaty learning journey you know because it hurts you know when some people say get over it how can you get over it when our people are still suffering Mm -hmm. and and i also think first of all i'm so glad you you stuck with it and that you you felt that you had the support to do it because i know speaking from firsthand when you came to where i work at at sherbrooke and and you talked to our our residents and our staff and you answered so many questions but you you shared these stories and they were incredibly powerful stories and people to this day, that's almost a year ago, um, still talk about your presentation. Um, when you, like, was it, was it encouraging when you, when you finally started to see that kind of feedback where, like, it was the gratitude and the thank you for it as opposed to the flack that you mentioned? 
Um, you know what? I, I am thankful that when I do get the comments, you know, like, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for your words. Thank you for helping us to understand. But however, that's also not why I do my job. You know, it's just like when I was teaching prior, you know, for the 24 and a half years, I loved my job, just like I love my job now, but I didn't, I don't do it for the gratitude. I don't do it for the thanks. I do it because I love what I do. You know, my, my late dad always told us, um, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're a gas jockey, if you are picking up garbage, if you're a teacher, whatever you're doing, if you're a lawyer, do it because you love it. Do it with 100% and because you love it. You know, so that's how I do my job here is because I, I love what I do. I love helping people learn. Um, you know, whether it be if I was teaching um, kids how to read <laughs> or teaching uh, adults about the treaty learning journey and everything that it encompasses, you know. So it is nice when I hear, you know what, Elaine, like we, you were really impactful, um, you know, but again, that's not why I do my job, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you would have, I, I'm just picturing you in the classroom, and, <laughs> and you would have been such an, uh, um, an amazing teacher. Uh, was, was there a point, though, in your teaching career, Elaine, where, where you where you wanted to do something, something like this, or, or did this just sort of, this opportunity sort of just, appear to you like how how did you go from the classroom to now with OTC um if you would ask me two years ago that I'd be doing this what I'm doing today I would have said you're crazy (laughs) (laughs) you know because I loved teaching I loved it with my heart and my soul um you know but this when this opportunity came up um you know I had to think long and hard about it you know because leaving a career that I loved and kind of for me at the time coming into like, even though I, I, hel- I thought I understood treaty, um, I hel- was helping staffs and fellow teachers with treaty education, um, you know, making that shift over and how my life would change, right? Like, I'm not, I wasn't sure about that because, to be totally honest, you know, I had eight more years and I had my full teacher pension. <laughs> 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 you know? So, but... Um, Coming here, um, it was something that I had to think really long and hard about it. Uh, but Commissioner talks really good. <laughs> and she's such a wonderful lady. Um, you know that when we really sat down and really talked long and hard about it, um, I, it was an offer that I couldn't refuse. Yeah. You know, so it's it's just, I'm, I'm teaching, but just in a different manner. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's you're, you're teaching not only within within Saskatoon and area, but like you're, you're teaching all over the place, aren't you? Yes. Uh, our tree, well, our, whether that be the treaty learning journey or whether that be somebody reaching out for a speakers bureau to do a talk on whatever topic they're wanting, uh, whether that be even land-based education or land acknowledgements, Indian Act, residential schools, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, we touch people like since I started here, um, Zoom presentations going to Toronto, uh, Alberta, but in person as well, Canmore, you know, like we've gone throughout Saskatchewan, um, north, south, east, west, <laughs> you, you name it, we're all over the place, um, but it is something um, that is just amazing. It's, yeah. it's amazing to see, and, and like I said, when I said, um, when we go to these gatherings, I meet new elders and hearing their stories. You know, stories that, again, we're not going to find in the history books. You know, it's, it's just amazing to keep learning. You know, it's, it's, I, I love it. Yeah. That's such, a, that's such a powerful thing in terms of to keep learning. I think for a lot of people, we think, 
um, especially in terms of, of academics, we learn up until grade 12 or, or maybe university and then it's, we go into a job kind of deal. And, and, but I, I love the outlook that you have, like you're, you're always learning, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. I'm a firm believer, you know, regard, right from the time I was small, you know, we were all, it was ingrained to us by our parents. Our parents were firm, um, supporters of education and how you're always going to keep learning. So it was ingrained in me from my, my mom and my late dad that no no matter where you are in life, you're going to keep learning. So even like in, I'm in the role that I'm at, and I, I'm like, I feel like I'm like a sponge that anything and everything, <laughs> you know, uh, you know when, when, even if one of my colleagues is learning about something, okay, what is that? Can I get a copy of that? Because I want to read it, you know, because I, I want to read anything and everything. And it's amazing like I, like I I told you, I, I thought I knew treaty, but I'm still learning treaty, you know. So there's so much out there to learn about. So I always challenge anybody that attends a learning journey or any teachers when I go out to treaty metal installations in, in their schools that uh, whether it be a, a session or whatever it may be, don't let this be a one and done. Continue learning, continue digging, continue asking questions because anything that we learn about is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much to learn about. Aww. Yeah, that's so inspiring. Um, may May I ask when when you, because it 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 is clear how passionate you are about the work that you do and that you give and give. Um, how how do you how do you recharge your batteries at the <laughs> at the end of the day, or maybe after a presentation where you where you are sharing some very personal stories and and like you said, it's it's hard history to talk about. But how how do you how do you fuel up again? Um, I sit in the corner and cry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, uh, no, um, well, when we when doing when we're doing the tree learning journey, journey, we smudge. I teach them about what smudging is, and we smudge as a group, and then we do a talking circle. So uh, is, with the treaty learning journey, uh, we kind of get all the ickies out that way, right? That is no shame, no blame. But personally, um, it always takes um, tragedy to let you figure out. Um, Everything else is just small stuff, right? Years ago in 2016 to 2018, uh, my family lost uh, eight family members due to old age, due to cancer, um, you know, just natural old age causes. But then we tragically lost my brother in 2018. And and this was within a 14-month period. So within all, with what my family had to go through there, um, really made me have the outlook that, you know what? It's all small stuff. Life is just small stuff. And what my family went through, I don't wish that on my worst enemy. Um, you know, so taking everything in day by day, I always think, you know what, if I threw how I'm feeling, if I'm upset right now, if I threw my problems into a pile with everybody else's, I'd gladly take this back. You know, so smudging helps, um, having that personal outlook. Nobody took tragedy to have me have that outlook, you know, because before I will say, you know, I was very, uh, my, my late dad, um, if he, his appointment was at 2 o'clock, he had to be there at uh, 12 o'clock, <laughs> like two hours ahead of time. And that was so ingrained in me, you know, and my sons as, as well, you know, that we have to be early and we have to be, everything had to be on time and everything had to be ABC, ready, set, go. Um, but having everything that has happened to me in the past, um, you know what? Life is too short to to stay upset. Life is too short um, to keep any hurt, any anger, um, any 
thing that is not positive, um, it does. It, what good does that do me, right? So I make. I personally, I make the choice to be happy. I make the choice that today is a good day. Tomorrow is going to be an even better day. You know. So even though I'm going through bad things today, in five years, is that going to matter? No. Right. Thank you for sharing about that. I, I appreciate that. Um, you've been very generous with your time, and, and I just have one more question for you. Um, if And I, I asked this question as, as a former teacher who tried to teach treaty in uh, rural Saskatchewan in the southwest corner in a town called Frontier, and it was it was challenging for me, not, not so much in terms of um, the students were fairly open-minded, but I, I had parents afterwards um, contact me and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Um, and it, it completely shattered my confidence to, to do that, um, again. And so I'm wondering, um, Elaine, if there are, if there are teachers out there that maybe don't have that confidence to teach, um, treaty, uh, in their classroom, what, what would you say to them? Okay. So, um, whenever, um, the comment again, it was exactly like what you were saying where you had the parents giving the backlash, not, not necessarily the children because they were, they're eager to learn. Uh, it's the parents and the older generations that don't want to know about it, don't want to learn about it. So I always say whenever anybody is going to teach treaty education, put facts outside on your bulletin board, send home facts to your parents, put a great big sign saying that this is mandated by the Ministry of Education. It's part of our job as teachers to teach treaty education send home facts to the parents send home uh facts put put them up on your bulletin board all every time you're going to do it put it up on your bulletin board but always make sure you have this is mandated by the ministry of education and put facts on on your bulletin board send home facts to the parents little bit by little bit i always say the future generation the students that are out there they're the ones that are going to make the true difference in, in our world today because the older generations, they're the ones that we struggle with, <laughs> if we're honest. But as a teacher, keep going little bit by little bit by little bit. Even if you're going to do, um, you know, don't let it be a one week leading up to uh, Orange Shirt Day. Don't let it be one week in November for Louis Reality Louis Real Day. Don't let it be a couple storytellers for February Storytelling Month. Don't let it be one week leading up to Indigenous National Indigenous Peoples Day. Do this year long. Do this every single week. If you have to do it for half an hour every Thursday at eleven o'clock, right? Make this just like how teachers have to make scheduling for language arts. You need to uh, put la uh, language arts, math, science, social. Make Indigenous education also a priority because it's in our curriculum guides and again treaty education is mandated by the minister of education that's your job i wish i knew you back in 2006 <laughs> <laughs> i really do um Lynn, it, it i i'm such a, a a big fan of yours I, I think the work you're doing is incredible and i think you're just a, a wonderful human being and um thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule um to speak with me today so thank you oh you're most welcome eric anytime thank you my thanks to Elaine Sutherland for being on the podcast and sharing her story with us. If you want to learn more about the work being done by Elaine and the Office of the Treaty Commissioner, please visit otc.ca.
This has been episode 10, season 5 of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and I host, produce, and edit this local independent podcast. You can listen to YXE Underground wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or the website yxeunderground.com. And if you like what you hear, please feel free to give the podcast a five-star review. Follow YXE Underground on social media. Simply search YXE Underground on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And that's where you'll see some lovely photos of Elaine Sutherland taken by Saskatoon photographer and my friend, Molly Shikoski. Now, this is the Season 5 finale of YXE Underground, and I can't thank all of you enough for supporting my podcast. Whether you're listening to or sharing the podcast, or maybe you're telling a friend to check it out, or maybe you're buying podcast swag that supports local organizations, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support. I had no idea this podcast would go on for five years, and it really is a privilege sharing these stories with you. So thank you for the opportunity to do so. I can't wait for season six to launch in September, and you might hear a summer bonus episode or two between now and the fall. Before I go, I would like to acknowledge and thank a few people. Thank you to Saskatoon's Danger Dynamite for creating and maintaining the website, and thank you to my cousin Andrew Dixon for creating the original themes that you hear in the podcast. Oh, and before I go, If you have any recommendations when it comes to people or organizations that you think should be featured on the podcast, I would love to hear them. Feel free to send an email to ericandersonyxe at gmail.com or you can fill out a nomination form on the website. And you can also drop me a line on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I know there are so many people in Saskatoon making a difference in our community who are flying under the radar, so let's get them on the podcast and share their stories. Now, before I go, I would like to acknowledge that this interview was gathered on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXE Underground, as my paper falls to the floor, YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Amber Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. I hope you have a wonderful summer, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.